630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Darnell Nurse! Elects not to shoot. Pressure by Gerard. Then threw him aside to the net. Back for one-timer score! Connor McDavid ends the game! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for coming along for the ride this evening. The Blue Jays back at it after being no hit by the Seattle Mariners last night. We're going to talk more about James Paxton and his place in Canadian baseball history later on uh, on the show, by the way. Well, the Jays do have one hit tonight. They don't have any runs. They trail the Mariners to nothing. Game 7 tomorrow, Jets... And Predators, former Winnipeg Jet, former Toronto Maple Leaf, who played in plenty of Game 7s in his career, Dave Ellett, will join us in the next half hour of the show. That's going to be cool to catch up with him. WHL Final resumes tonight. Swift current at Everett. Swift winning last night 3-2 in overtime. The Broncos lead the series two games to one. Canada-Norway tomorrow at the World Hockey Championships. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can always get in touch by texting 630-630. The phone number 780-496-0063. Well, it is uh, now the offseason for most NHL teams, except for the five still remaining. The Edmonton Oilers, of course, did not make the playoffs, nor did the New York Islanders who uh, hooked up, well, there's been a few trades between the teams in in recent years. One of them at this year's deadline, Brandon Davidson, popular defenseman here with the Oilers, went to the Islanders. Brandon's back in town, and he joins us now. Brandon, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's uh, it's good to talk to you again. Obviously, uh, you like, well... 26 or 27 other teams were hoping to be playing at this time of year, but uh, didn't work out. How's your How's your spring been since the season ended? Yeah, you know what? It's been really good. It's uh, um, nice to kind of take some downtime and kind of uh, reboot the batteries and, you know, just kind of uh, settle down after after quite the interesting season. But uh, tough to be sitting here, to say the least. I think that uh, I'd rather be uh, still on the ice anyway. So um, it's... Uh, it's uh, it's a happy medium, anyways. Are you one of those guys that watches the playoffs and and see who's going to pull through when the chips are down, or do you or do you get your mind off hockey for a little bit? You know what? Um, I used to be one of those guys that um, used to just kind of let it go whenever my season was over. But um, um, the course of the last two years, I've really just um, you know playoff hockey is is what interests me the most right now in my life and I I seem to find myself uh, dissecting every game so um, it's been an interesting playoff to say the least and, um, and it's been fun so far to watch anyways. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. You've been dissecting some games, and especially since you played in both conferences this year. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know what's a big storyline for you. Is it Ovechkin finally getting back uh, past Crosby? Is it Vegas? Is it the Jets-Predators showdown? What's really caught your fancy here? 
Yeah, you know what? Um, having Ovechkin um, finally push through that that um, series has been uh, kind of one of the the highlights, I would say. Um, I wasn't um, really rooting for anybody in that situation, but um, I really like to see that Ovechkin, you know, um, having such a good year, scoring all them goals, you know, finally, um, you know, putting his team in, in um, you know, in a contention for a cup here. So that's been fun to watch. Vegas, um, surprisingly, um, actually not surprisingly, um, they have a good team. I, I figured they would actually kind of do what they've been doing so far in, in winning games and winning series now. So, I mean, um, very two, two, very two good teams to kind of uh, look forward to as they kind of match up here um, going forward. When you talk about, and I mean, it's, it's been interesting for you because you've been a teammate of Connor McDavid. You've been a teammate of, uh, of of Taylor Hall. McDavid won the MVP last year. Hall has a good chance to win it this year. Ovechkin's been an, an outstanding guy in the league for a long time. You would have played a lot against Crosby. I, I mean, when I mentioned some of the big names in the game, is there a guy that um, you particularly have liked going against over the course of your career where, where you kind of get up to try to shut a guy? I, don't, I mean, I know you want to stop everybody, but is there a, you know, a yeah. battle or a game you really remember going up against one of the stars? Yeah, uh, for sure. One that sticks out in my mind every single time that, uh, that I get a chance to play him is, um, is Sidney Crosby. Um, he's definitely the measuring stick in the NHL towards... Um, in, in a lot of in a lot of cases, and I, I feel that um, you know, when I try to judge myself, I try to play my best games against the best players. And um, every time that um, I seem to go against the Pittsburgh Penguins, I find myself in uh, in a good situation, and, and, and I've played really well. So um, I like to get up for those games, even even in Montreal playing against, uh, or or even in New York playing against McDavid. Um, those are big games coming back, especially in a town that. Um, you know, is home for me kind of thing. And, and um, those are always fun, big, exciting games. Brandon Davidson joining us on Inside Sports, currently with the New York Islanders. Of course, two stints with the Edmonton Oilers. In your reference, your season was kind of an unusual one because you played for three different teams. You got traded back to the Oilers by the Canadians, and then the Oilers traded you to the Islanders. And Brandon, I remember your first media scrum back in Edmonton, just how thrilled you were to be an oiler again and then after 23 games you're gone again just what was that journey for for you mentally and emotionally and look I, I know you want to play in the nhl and then you 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 want to play which with every team will have you but edmonton seems fairly special to you so how did you deal with the coming back and then leaving again yeah i mean edmonton's always been special in my heart um Obviously, it was the first team um, that drafted me. I was here a long time um, in the minor leagues in the system for for almost seven years. And so um, when I got the opportunity to come back, um, I mean, I was grinning ear from ear. Um, I think that uh, things hadn't gone quite as planned in Montreal, and, and I was really disappointed. And, and I knew coming back to a team that um, that knew me, coaching that knew me, and, and uh, a system that I, that I knew um, would um, kind of boost... Um, what poor start I had at the beginning of the year, and um, it's always a bonus coming back to Edmonton. To the fans have really treated me well here. I played well here, I think, and um, it's honestly just it's just home. So it's uh, it's really bittersweet, and um, I was uh, definitely surprised to be um, moved again at the deadline this year. But um, I think that's the way things go. Business. I mean, there was a third round trade there and stuff. I mean, that's um, that's a lot for a guy that was just picked off waivers. So. Um, 
there's no hard feelings at all and um, with the Oilers it was actually um, a sad goodbye um, the second time around <laughs> well and, and I gotta say I mean and you talked a little bit about the fans and, and I know from doing the the call-in show um, you're fairly popular with the fans I think because of your backstory and, and your work ethic and, and you tend to score against Calgary which never hurts in this town <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know give me just because one of your um, I guess past and now a current teammate again Jordan Everly made some headlines you know when he said that uh, it's tough to hear negative things about yourself uh, in media and from fans and Edmonton is a, a pretty hot market when it comes to that kind of stuff I, you know I, I guess you, you've never been a star player here but but how did you deal with that and, and how did you deal with some of the fan pressure of playing in Canada because obviously you were in Montreal as well yeah yeah I mean um Honestly, first and foremost, the fans here in Edmonton, there's nothing like them. Um, it's a special place to play. It really is. Um, they seem to come every night with um, with that raw emotion. And, and sometimes, in, in some cases, with Jordan Everly, it comes off in, you know, that emotion in a negative way. And um, he kind of went through um, a stage in the Oilers, um, well, a stage with them where they weren't winning very many games. So, um you know, they look towards key players like, like Jordan Everly and, and um, they look for answers kind of thing. So, um, you know, he had it tough for sure in a lot different situation with me because, um, you know, I, I definitely haven't been that guy. But um, um, the fans here are definitely very emotional. They're very passionate. Um, and, um, you know, what? They, they seem to show me love every single time um, that I come to play here. And, um, you know, that's why also it was really sad to say goodbye um, for the second time again. All right, so so you wrapped up the year with the Islanders, and, and their story, Brandon, was at least from the outside, seeing highlights, seeing them play, uh, you know, against the Oilers and some other games. What was the goals against? I mean, the goals for was actually really good, but the goals against was was way up there. Uh, from your stint there, was was that a, was that an issue that was always being talked about, and uh, was maybe what impeded the team from being a little closer to a playoff spot, or how do you look at that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, when you look at the goals against, um, that's that's obviously the issue, right? Um, I think that uh, we were able to put up a lot of points, but um, we just seemed to, you know, couldn't couldn't come out on top of a lot of those um, high-scoring games and a, a chance at playoffs. So um, the the issue I think is um, being addressed and. Um, um, something that'll be uh, handled internally, but um, you know we just need to play better defense. Um, we need to uh, have better goaltending, and, and um, guys need to be responsible. So um, hopefully that um, we can get Tavares here locked down, and and um, and even maybe myself too, and, and um, see where the things go from there. Well, you are a restricted free agent, so the Islanders do uh, have control of your contract. So obviously, we'll see how that plays out for you. Um, but in the short term, you, you've used the, you've used the term "here" a lot in these conversations. So, and I know we spoke briefly yesterday. Uh, you are in Edmonton. Just tell us what's uh, what's ahead for you here for the next few weeks. Yeah, you know, I actually just moved into Edmonton um, yesterday. Um, I have a new uh, training opportunity here. Um, with uh, a man named Simon Bennett. He works with the Oilers, but um, he trains a, a group of uh, NHL players in the summertime, and um, I thought this would be a good chance for me to kind of change things up and, and just, you know, push the envelope and see where I can kind of take uh, myself uh, personally. So um, good opportunity to be back in Edmonton. I mean, I love it here. Um, I've always loved it here, but um, it's just a bonus that, uh, you know, I can 
further extend maybe my abilities this summer and, and hopefully, uh, you know, have one of those breakout seasons again that I'm really hoping for. Yeah, well, and, you know, guys never stop wanting to improve, right? You mentioned Crosby. I mean, he still works on little details of practice. Is there something you're focused on for the summer or, or uh, to do on the ice when the new season starts, Brandon? Yeah, um, this summer is going to be a little bit different for me because I'm able to skate with a skating coach and also a skills coach. Um, and so, I mean, more and more guys are trying to find ice earlier, trying to do more, and, and I'm I'm one of those guys. I feel like, um, you know, I'm not a finesse player by any means, but, um, you know, I need to work hard and I need to make sure that, uh, you know, every day is a work day for me. So um, I'm excited to really kind of uh, get on the ice and, and be more involved every single day. Um, but I'm also I'm also healthy. Um, it's been a long time since I've kind of um, healed up from a few injuries, and um, that's also the exciting part too, is because uh, I'm excited to see where I can take myself. Well, Brandon, we, you know we wish you all the best, and we, I really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. It's great to talk to you, and I know Edmontonians will be happy to hear that you're spending the summer in Edmonton, um, because as you know. It's a lot nicer May through August than it is November through February. So enjoy that part of it as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you very much. I will. That is great stuff. Brandon Davidson, defenseman with the New York Islanders. Obviously, interesting progression through his career. Traded not once, but twice by the Edmonton Oilers. First to Montreal, then uh, claimed off waivers by the Oilers from the Canadians this past season and then at the deadline traded to the Islanders. Uh, text to 630-630. Chuck says Davidson was an awesome Oiler, always will be. Pretty uh, pretty popular player. I, I, look, I think we got to be realistic about Brandon Davidson. Uh, not going to be a star, but probably a guy who will play uh, several years in the NHL because he works hard. Pretty intelligent. You can play a little bit rugged when he has to and uh, for a team looking for depth. And maybe he's going to wind up playing on a few teams along the way, but teams looking for uh, depth will probably always take a look at Brandon Davidson. He is an RFA coming up for July 1st, not a UFA, still an RFA for one more contract. So uh, the Islanders do have first crack at him. 620, you can always text 630-630, our phone number 780-496-0063. Quick timeout, Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. It is 624. My name is Reed Wilkins, Kellen Kennedy. Working the big board on the other side of the window. Kellen, old chap, how are you doing this evening? Doing all right. How about you, Reed? Good to talk to Brandon Davidson, eh? Yeah. Yeah, great oiler. Great player. Great all-around guy. Well, well all right. 152 NHL games. Uh, he was an Oiler. He was a Canadian. He was an Oiler. Now he's an Islander. I, like I said, I think he will always be a depth defenseman in the NHL. I mean, he's probably always going to be a bottom-pairing guy. He can do things well enough to play in the NHL. He's not going to be a star. I think he knows that. He knows he has to work. He was talking about some of the things he wants to improve on in the offseason. So he'll keep plugging away with that. The interesting thing about Davidson is uh, he loves the city of Edmonton, and he loved being an Oiler. He was uh, he was downright emotional when he got traded back here, and uh, you know, as he said, kind of tough to move on. But he's a pro; he knows it's going to happen. He knows he could bounce around in his career. But yeah, he absolutely loves being an Oiler, and uh, comes to spend. Of course, he is from Southern Alberta. 
but he does come here to spend his summers and to train and to work out. So he came up earlier this week, and he was uh, I think he was moving into a place and getting ready to go here. So it was great to talk to him today. Hope he does well with the Islanders or wherever he lands. Blue Jays trying to get back into it against the Mariners here, down 2-1 in the bottom of the fourth. Runners on first and second with two out. So, Kellen, that was cool last night. Ah, uh, yes, the no-hitter. The no-hitter. We yep. were watching that as was happening with James Paxton. So it Historic. Between 7.30 and 8 tonight, mm-hmm. well, speaking of history, we're going to have a gentleman named Bill Humber on the show. Mm-hmm. He's a he, like he's legitimately a baseball historian. So I'm going to ask him how you get that job. That'd be an okay job. And he's, because of his work as a historian, he's being inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame this summer. Right on. So that's cool. pretty cool. So he's going to be on the show to talk about Paxton. He'll talk more about Dick Fowler, who was the previous Canadian to throw a, a no-hitter back in 1945. It was Fowler's first start after serving in the military for the Second World War. So that was pretty amazing. Uh, but I'm going to ask Bill Humber about his opinion, the best Canadian baseball player of all time. You can also go to my Twitter account count to vote in a poll I got going who in your opinion is the best Canadian baseball player of all time I got three choices well I have four choices three players and other the players Jenkins Votto and Walker right now Larry Walker in the lead you can vote on my Twitter account at Reed Wilkins we're back with uh, Dave Ellett former Winnipeg Jet and a veteran of many game sevens in the NHL This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. So, yeah, quite a story. Mariners pitcher James Paxton uh, Paxton from Ladner, B.C., second Canadian ever to pitch a no-hitter. His father, Ted, says family members were crowded around the TV to watch last night's game. Well, it certainly gets the heart pumping like they all do because you want to see your son do well, of course. But this one was, of you know, particularly notable. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's the culmination of so many things coming together uh, over the years to finally sort of get to something like this. And it is just, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, pretty cool. We'll talk about it more in about an hour here with baseball historian Bill Humber. Blue Jays and Mariners back at it tonight. Top of the fifth, Mariners leading the Jays 2-1. Basketball playoffs this evening. Philly up 18-15 on the Celtics. Four and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Celtics leading the series three games to one. The winner gets Cleveland in uh, the Eastern Conference Final. Later on tonight, Swift Current at Everett. Game four of the WHL final, Swift Current with a 2-1 series lead. And, of course, tomorrow, NHL Game 7, Winnipeg at Nashville. Inside Sports presents Legends of the Game. And tonight's legend, a former Winnipeg Jet, a veteran of some memorable Game 7s in the National Hockey League. I'm pleased to welcome to the show former Jets defenseman Dave Ellett. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? Doing very well. Thanks a lot for making time for us here uh, in Edmonton. Probably when I... uh when I say the name Edmonton, you think Oilers, and some of the some of the battles you had against the Oilers probably come to mind, eh? Well, I'll be quite honest with you. That back in that day, it was a little one-sided, so I can't say that there's too many good memories of playing in Edmonton. But uh, you know, looking back on it, now that you're done, we're pretty fortunate to have a chance to play against a team like that and players like that. 
wasn't fun on the receiving end sometimes, but well, they had a special team. Yeah, obviously. Well, the thing is, though, Dave, the, the Jets had a pretty good team. I, I, you know, especially from from '85 onward, you guys had some pretty good teams. Do you, do you ever look back and say, "Man, what if we weren't in the same division as Calgary and Edmonton?" Well, or even if the playoff format was different, if one played eight, you know, that would have helped us. But I have the argument all the time with guys like Glenn Anderson, you know, that I said, yeah. Let's make one trade in those series. Give us Grant Fuhr, and we'll give you our goaltenders. Right. <laughs> that could have made a bit of a difference. That's a, that's a really good point. <laughs> they, really, they really didn't want to make that trade. Right. <laughs> they were fine with Grant, I guess, eh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you know, it's it's interesting now with, uh, obviously, a huge game for the Jets tomorrow, and, and it's been exciting to see them play. I mean, you played almost 500 games as a Jet in your NHL career. Are, are you swept up in this, too? Do you still have that Jets logo on your heart somewhere? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I went out to uh, Winnipeg there in the first round for a couple of uh, events out there, you know, surrounding the playoff. And, uh, yeah, I, hey, I tell everyone Winnipeg was my home at one time. I lived there year-round. You know, it was a sad day when they lost their team, and it was a great day when they got it back. So, you know, this is uh, it's been great for the organization. They've done a heck of a job since they've come back, the team that they built and how they did it. So they're starting to see the rewards now. And you guys know Edmund's pretty similar to what Winnipeg is. It's not just about the city of Winnipeg. It's about the whole province. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people that haven't been out to Western Canada don't realize how important it is, how, how important the game of hockey is and the culture out west. Well, that's really well said, Dave. And you got to be, when you see the whiteout and the fans gathering in the street to watch the games on the, on the big TV, I mean, is that... Does that bring back memories for you, or, or you just think, or, or are you just glad that another generation of players get to experience that now? Well, it brings back memories, and I, and to be quite honest with you, I'm just very happy, uh, happy for the the kids that are getting to enjoy it. And, well, the fans too. You know, this is stuff that the fans remember the rest of their life. So you know, playoffs is about you know lifetime memories, and right now the Jets are building some. So hopefully. They can continue this ride with a big win tonight, or tomorrow night, sorry. You know, you mentioned some of your experiences and the rivalries with the Oilers, and obviously that 1990 series is one that's that's talked about a lot. You you had a big goal in that series, and it looked like you were going to knock off the Oilers, uh, and they came back. And you mentioned fewer. It was actually Ranford uh, in that series. That was a great series to watch, and you know I know I'm kind of bringing up one here where, where it didn't go your way in the end, but what do you remember about 1990, and, and what do you think it came down to that, that allowed the Oilers to come back? You know what? It was, it was a heck of a series. Both teams, like, uh, I, I watched a couple of games, actually, when I was in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, they replayed a few of the games, and, well, you know, I thought it was a heck of a series. Both teams deserved the win. But when you get two teams that were evenly matched like that, uh, you know, they had the experience over us. I think that was a key factor. And, and you know what, uh, Billy Ranford had a hell of a series, but I think our coaching cost us too. Uh, game seven, you know, he started our backup goalie instead of going with Bob Asenza. So, you know, we got out coached and 
you know, they're a vet, they were a team that had been there before, and they saw a little bit of light, and they took advantage of it. You know, but ultimately that series could have gone either way. Yeah, that was a great series for sure. Dave Ellett joining us on Inside Sports tonight, veteran of over 1,100 NHL games, mostly with uh, Toronto and St. Louis. He played with a couple other organizations as well. You know, Game 7, It's uh, Bob Costas had the great quote a few years ago, the two most exciting words in sports. And uh, you got to play in a few Game 7s, including three in one year with the 93 Maple Leafs. That was a, a pretty incredible run. Just generally, Dave, did it? What did you learn from playing in each game seven that maybe you brought into the next one, or or could you do that? Did they each sort of take on a life of their own? Well, I think they kind of sort of take a life of their own, but I think ultimately is uh, game seven. You know, obviously teams are if you're in a game seven, both teams are pretty evenly matched, so. You know, looking back on it, we never made any major changes before Game 7. You know, you might one guy might come in the lineup or whatever, but typically you tried to, you know, there was an air of calmness about it. No one was really nervous or we got to do this, we got to do that, let's do this, let's do that. It was more like, hey, you know, we're here, we deserve to be here, there's a reason we're here, let's do what we've been doing. And, you know, looking back, Game 7s are awesome. You know, I think they might be uh, more fun for the fans. But uh, really, uh, you know, I always found that we had an air of calmness about it. And, you know, I think not trying to do too much, stick to your game plan is really important. All right. I'm I'm just going to throw this at you here. May 1st, 1993, Nikolai Borshevsky. Probably a generation of fans that isn't sure what I'm talking about, Dave. <laughs> What's your memory of that goal in Detroit? That is overtime winner against uh, Detroit, the team that was obviously on paper uh, better than what we were in Toronto. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, that was unbelievable. I just, I had just got to the bench, and I remember sitting down and then getting right back up because the goal went in. And I remember the one thing I'll always remember about it is how the trainers were so happy on on the bench we had a one of our equipment guys brian papano and there's video of it he's got a water bottle just spraying it in the air one of them i've never seen a man so happy but yeah that was a great memory but that series is really we were in a situation kind of similar to what winnipeg is now we won game five in detroit and went home for game six and had a chance to clinch the series and we just laid an egg. I think they beat us 6-2. We gave up three or four shorthanded goals. And, you know, it was sort of, well, they're done now. That's their run. It's over. And we went back into Detroit and won that game seven in overtime. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of that sentiment with the Jets right now that, you know, there's people out there that think, oh, they had their chance in game six. Now they can't do it. But I firmly believe they got a chance to go in there and win game seven. Former NHL defenseman Dave Ellett joining us on Inside Sports. Well, that's well said. Your memories of the, of the road team winning the final three games in that Toronto-Detroit series in 93. One of the craziest yeah. stats of all time, Dave, was you guys, the Maple Leafs, played 21 games and didn't make the Stanley Cup final. 
Montreal played 20 games and won the Stanley Cup. They played an extra round and played fewer games than you guys did in three. And you, you beat yeah. you beat uh, St. Louis. You finally overcame Cujo in Game 7. You won 6 nothing, And then you had that memorable series with the Kings and all that hype of Gretzky trying to get into the final and the Leafs trying to get back into the final. Um, I mean, when you were going through that series at the time, did, did, did was the hype as apparent to you when you're in it? Or did you kind of, once you kind of got through it and looked back on it, you realized the circus that was going on around that series? No, we didn't pay much attention to it. Uh, you know, obviously playing in Toronto, you kind of have that, that going on every day type of thing. Uh, you know, what we noticed was uh, certainly after beating Detroit, and then against St. Louis, well, it seemed like uh, not just Ontario, but the whole country was rooting for us. I think, you know, it was sort of uh, uh, Quebec and East was rooting for Montreal, and then Ontario all the way west was rooting for, for us. Like, you know, I, I, I remember being in St. Louis where you wouldn't think there'd be many Leaf fans, but there'd be maybe 1,500 to 2,000 Leaf fans in St. Louis. And the same went with L.A., the thing I remember about the L.A. series is we had done a good job with against Gretzky. I think he was pointless in the first four games. And I'll never forget it. Uh, there was headlines in the newspaper by one of our intelligent Toronto writers that basically said, that's been the end of Gretzky. It's over. And uh, I think he proceeded to have 14 points in the last two games. Wow, that was a little premature, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like you guys know it in Edmonton, don't light a fire under that guy. Wow. Well, and he got the hat trick in, in Game 7, and, and I think he's called that game the best he ever played in the NHL, which is which is, which is is quite a statement for sure. Uh, Dave, had, sorry, had, go ahead. He had the OT winner in Game 6, too. That's right. After many people thought maybe he shouldn't have been in the game, right? Wasn't that the high stick he got away with? Correct. And here's the other stat about that we had in Toronto. You talk about how the game's changed. We played 21 playoff games in 41 nights. So every second day, just cranking them out, eh? Every second day. Yeah, that's amazing. That's incredible. I think, I think they've done NHL now scheduling where they'll have, you know, sometimes two days off in a series. I think that's incredible. Yeah, you guys didn't benefit from that for sure. Uh, Dave, incredible stuff. I, I, I know uh, I know you're a busy guy, and uh, I know you'll be watching the game tomorrow, but just before I let you go, let fans know uh, what you're up to now. Where's life taking you since you hung up the blades? Uh, I, I, when I retired, I bought a home in Phoenix, so I've been down here. I spent the last four years coaching uh, 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 U16, U18, AAA team, and I'm in the mortgage business. So any Canadians coming down, buying a house, look me up. There you go. Dave, thanks so much for making time for us. Uh, you're great to hear you're doing well and you're enjoying what the Jets are doing, and uh, have fun watching Game 7 tomorrow night. All the best. That's great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. That is Dave Ellett checking in tonight. Good to talk to him. Scored that big goal for the Jets in overtime in 1990, Game 4 against the Oilers. They were up 3-1 in the series. 
Looked like they finally might get past the Oilers, and of course Edmonton rallied to win the series in seven and went on to win the Stanley Cup. Dave Ellett, really good player, key part of those Jets teams, big part of some really good Maple Leafs teams in the early 90s as well. And yeah, they played three game sevens, Toronto did, in 1993. Beat Detroit in overtime on the road, beat St. Louis at home, lost to the LA Kings in game seven at home in the, uh, what do they call it then, the Campbell Conference championship series so toronto played 21 games didn't make the final the canadians played 20 games and won the stanley cup one of the quirkiest stats of all time you can text 63630 the phone number 780-496-0063 quick timeout inside sports on chat this is cam talbot from your edmonton oilers and you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on oilers radio 630 chad bottom of the sixth seattle still leading the blue jays 2-1 my name is reed wilkins thanks a lot for tuning in tonight hey i want to remind you some guests on the show get gift certificates to northern chicken bringing down south comfort food to edmonton with southern classics and other tasty treats salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com you can find them at 124th Street and 107th Avenue. Great, great chicken. And I got to take Jack Michaels for chicken. I lost a bet. I bet on the Raptors. He bet on the Cavaliers. We had Jack on the show last night. I'm going to limit him, I think, to the smallest possible meal he can have that still counts as a meal. So, Kellen, I won't just make him get a side. I won't say, Jack, you can only get a small coleslaw. But I'm not going to say that I'm not going to let him order the 30-piece chicken meal. Right. Because he's one man. Now, maybe he could eat it with, you know, Jack, I don't doubt it. But still, that would not be a normal meal for one human being, the 30 pieces from Northern Chicken. So I'll have to limit him to maybe, you know, the five-piece or maybe we share the five-piece I'll even let him have three pieces, and I'll have two. But I can't go beyond five pieces, can I? I don't think so. <laughs> Kellen's doing the math right now. Well, let's see. Chicken takes up this much room in your stomach. Dorito mac and cheese takes up this much room. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let well, you. Do, I'll let you do those calculations. And, and you're also not just, uh, you know, or figuring in if he wants to do dessert. Or no dessert? No, there won't. Dessert will not be included. Dessert will not dessert, be included. Dessert was not part of the. the oh, okay. The, no, he can have an adult beverage if he wants. I'll oh. cover that. D- just dessert? Just one? No way. Just one? Obviously, just one. <laughs> wow. Obviously, just one. The bet was a, a meal at Northern Chicken, not an all-you-can-eat-and-drink meal at Northern Chicken. So I got to be strict on that. Ah, okay. Speaking of meals, Jeremy from Glendon, who lives inside the giant pierogi, says, hey, Reed, I think the Jets have the firepower to win tomorrow, but their inexperience could haunt them like in the 90s. I think Game 7 comes down to which Pecorine shows up tomorrow night. That is Jeremy from Glendon. Well, I think that's a very astute text. The Jet, I mean, they were second overall, so clearly they have the firepower to win. But I just feel that Nashville, they got through game six. They played a pretty mature, composed game. They withstood the fury and excitement of the Winnipeg crowd, got the win. Now they're going home. They were just there last year. They got a deep team. But as Jeremy points out, goaltending often 
uh, you know, the deciding factor in these games. But I, I picked Nashville before the series. I will stick with my pick for Nashville going into tomorrow night's game. That'll be a fun one to watch. It'll start at 6. Then starting on Friday, we bring you live coverage of conference final games. What do we have? For Friday's uh, Capitals Lightning there, Kellen? Yeah, game start one, with Caps, the East. Lightning. Yep. Caps and Lightning. you got to favor the Lightning there, don't you? Uh, you'd have to, yeah. I mean, exactly. who's picking the Capitals? I mean, Tampa's got Hardcore home ice, Capitals too. Don't fans. forget, so. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. That, 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 does home ice matter in that matchup? Uh, well, I, I, I'd always sooner have home ice rather than not. I think Tampa Bay is just a better team. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, okay, got a text here. You lost the bet. You can't be strict. My response on Twitter was, Jack, I will bet you a meal at Northern Chicken that the Raptors win the series. A meal. What constitutes a meal in your household? Is dessert part of a standard meal? It isn't in my home because I rarely eat dessert. Usually with me, it's just food and drink. So, So, yeah, the the, the dessert is like for special meals. So I bet Jack a meal at Northern Chicken. He will not be getting dessert as part of the bet. Now, knowing Jack, he'll stomp his feet and complain about it until I just finally buy him dessert just to shut him up. (laughs) Uh, This texture says Brendan Ulrich is picking the Capitals. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll probably do our predictions on Oilers now on Friday, I would imagine. We'll see if Brendan goes with his heart or his head. Yeah, he's got an unhealthy obsession with that team a little bit. Washington. Just saying. Uh, this texture says Jack will get the soup. Well, I'd love that. And uh, Jim says a three-piece meal is a meal. There you go. I think at Northern Chicken, though, you have to get at least five pieces. So we can split the five-piecer. He gets three. I get two. Beer each. Doritos mac and cheese on the side. Don't have to worry about dessert. Everybody goes home happy. Back after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.